This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Straight up with no chaser. You're in the sports bar with Danger and Battaglia on the Sports Leader 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan, Rochester. As we continue in the sports bar and an overreaction Monday, we welcome in Nate Gary, the Buffalo Bills Radio Network, WGR, our Odyssey Sports sister station. Nate, what was your favorite overreaction from Saturday's win over the Colts? Well, asking me, you guys know, if anything, I'm the underreactor. If, if you know one thing about me, I never overreact. Uh, no, but I, I do think one of the maybe key overreactions from that game goes to the quarterback battle, yeah. right? I think everybody started looking at the, the performance that Matt, Bar- Matt Barkley had against, you know, predominantly third stringers and, and fringe roster players. And Kyle Allen went out there against, you know, I mean, some starters on the Colts defense. Um, but and did get an opportunity to play the starting off at the line, uh, but did not really take advantage of that opportunity. I, and then obviously the words after the game uh, in the press conference from Sean McDermott talking about how there is that open competition for the number two quarterback spot, which I think has always been the case. But I, I think the um, maybe a little bit of an overreaction to, to Kyle Allen and, and to whether or not you know he's going to kind of be the number two behind Josh. And um, I think that just tends to happen when you are playing with starters that you don't normally play with during practice. You know, I mean, he's, he's generating some, um, you know, some familiarity with, I, I would think a lot of the guys that Matt Barkley got to play with. So, um, you know, something to think about there. And I think maybe not necessarily overreact to the back of quarterback spot, which is, you know, I think a telling tale of where this franchise is. If the overreaction from a, uh, a, the first preseason game is the, the back of quarterback battle. Yeah. Is it overreaction or not? I, I, God, I wouldn't lie. I'm a little concerned about Khalil Shakir because one thing he said mm. during camp, uh, consistency. All right, you can go up and you make this heck of a catch, and then a, a couple plays later, you're dropping a third down ball here. So where does Shakir fit right now, Nate? Is he a backup or is he actually in danger here of uh, not being on the 53? I think it's a really interesting dynamic right now because I, I think he last year made some really big plays in the regular season. Um, I think everyone was sort of clamoring to see more of Khalil Shakir. And then, you know, they go out, they make the moves for Trent Shurfield. They go out and sign Deontay Hardy. And the idea there is, okay, we've got some more depth receiver help, um, especially with Shurfield. I, I don't, I didn't really see Shurfield really competing for Shakir's spot. Um, but now, I mean, I, I would tell you that Shurfield's spot is, I think, all but defined. I, I think he's going to be a factor in this offense. Um, I think Deontay Hardy's role, as the primary kick and putt returner, maybe reduces his overall um, reliance on what he'll be on the offense. And maybe that opens a door for Khalil Shakir to take some of those snaps. But 
what are we talking about? We're talking about the fifth wide receiver in this offense. And what is the fifth wide receiver in this offense really going to be tasked with doing when you consider that, you know, James Cook is going to have, I think, an increased role in the pass game this year. Obviously, they go out and they draft Dalton Kincaid, who have already got one tight end that's eating into the production of the wide receiver group. Now you've got the second one and, I think, an expanded role for James Cook. So where does that leave him in, like, the hierarchy of targets? Um, and I guess my question is, outside of returning kicks and punts, you already have Deontay Hardy there. Is he providing value outside of that? Is he uh, going to be a gunner? Is he going to be a primary special teams contributor outside of his returning? Because I think the guy that maybe we should start talking more about is Andy Isabella. Mm-hmm. He's the former second-round pick of the, uh, the Arizona Cardinals. I think he had a couple of really nice moments during that game on Saturday, specifically in, in a couple of those short yardage. He, he was very reminiscent to me, guys, of like the role that Cole Beasley is. Very quick. He's great at running those option routes underneath against linebackers, against cover, um, cover linebackers and slot corners. And he's going to bring you all of the same special teams value as the second, uh, second punt and kick returner that Khalil Shakir is. So I, I guess in a long way of getting there, guys, is, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that his position on the team and on the roster are affirmed by, uh, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. But I also think he's a he's a guy that they really liked last year, and 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 I don't think that in in one off season that's changed a lot. But yeah, he's got to be more consistent. We know how much Sean McDermott preaches trust, um, especially with young players. And uh, if the quarterbacks can't trust him to hang onto the football, um, I think that absolutely opens the door for guys like Andy Isabella. Um, to potentially, you know, take his roster spot. Yeah, Nate. I mean, look, um, Andy Isabella feels like a practice squad guy, but I, I and, and Shakir's inconsistencies are worrisome. But I, I feel like what McDermott and Bean have done with this roster, and, and let's just look at wide receiver as the example, because I feel like they've done this almost across the board with all the positions that they've they've really created a roster where whatever matchup we can exploit, we will with this player. If you need a play where you know your slot receiver is going to throw a block that springs the running back in for a touchdown, great. Trent Shurfield's your guy. If you want the speed guy, we've got Hardy or or Isabella. It, you know, whatever it is, they're going to go matchup by matchup, game by game, and and you know, utilize some of the tools that they have. Have you seen them kind of build this roster in the same way that I am? Because I test tells me that Isabella looked like the better receiver. On Saturday, but at the same time, you know, Shakir probably is more of a guy that, you know, depending on the matchup, you get out there and could be more more effective for you. Yeah, I do wonder how much of that trust Isabella can really gain in such a short amount of time. And he didn't have the offseason program um, to be in there, be with the offense, be with the quarterbacks to really establish any rapport with, you know, whether it's Barkley or, or Allen or even Josh Allen. But even with that, I would say sort of learning curve. He hasn't looked like a guy that doesn't know his role in the offense. He doesn't look like a guy that's, you know, relying on players to put him in the right position. He's walked in, uh, has been a player that has bounced around the league, but again, as a second-round pick um, or a former second-round pick. And I think that, you know, I, I, if maybe a better example, I, I think wide receiver is a great example of what you're talking about, but I think an even better one is at the running back position. And, and maybe this would be more evident if Hanayim Hines wasn't injured or not for the season. Because I view the running back room as really, really interesting right now. Um, Latavius Murray has had an unbelievably productive camp. Um, does not look at all like the oldest running back on a roster in the NFL, right? which he is. Um, obviously, Damon Harris was injured and, and didn't play on Saturday. But what I think you saw a glimpse of, guys, is and, uh, the type of running back and the type of running game that they can switch into series by series, down by down. And, and I think 
you know, sort of by the time the end of the year comes around and those games get cold and, you know, you've got to, you know, throw the football less because of the conditions. I, I think you can now turn to a running game that is multifaceted, that has two power backs and one power back that is just a really – he's a load to take down. And I think what people forget is Latavius Murray at 32 last season ran for 500 yards. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the running back room is another really good example. The corner room is a good example of what you're talking about. There's a lot of competition at the bottom of this roster. And I, you know, they, they seem to be able to file in new faces, new names every single year. To me, it's not about the bottom of this roster, guys. It's not about the last eight guys on the 53-man roster. Um, to me, what my concerns are, where the, sort of my concerns lie with this team is, can the guys at the top of the roster or the guys that were drafted to be at the top of the roster, maybe most notably like Kyer Elam, do enough to not just be an adequate starter, but be a high-level starter as a first and second-round pick? And can Osiris Torrance win the guard spot over Ryan Bates? I, I, just, I look at this roster and the way that it's built and the competition that they've built at every single position is one of the more impressive groups in the NFL. And if you don't believe me, go watch – some of the other preseason games, like the one in San Francisco, right? San Francisco's backup offensive line couldn't block the third stringers yeah. for the for the Raiders. Not a team that's known for, you know, like a, some sort of overly powerful, super deep defensive line. Um, the Bills have, I think, many NFL players on their offensive line, and I think that gives them a huge, huge advantage in the next couple of weeks as they look to trim their roster down. They might be able to acquire some later round picks for those guys. So it's not just wide receiver. I think it's offensive line and linebacker and corner and, and in safety. I mean, they've got, I think four starting caliber safeties right now on the roster. I don't know how many teams can, can boast that. Um, so they, they just are in a really good position um, in the depth portion of the roster. There's no doubt. Nick Geary, Buffalo Bills Radio Network. Uh, you hear him on WGR uh, as he is our guest here in the sports bar. If we can go back to kind of the running back uh, comments, I think that's interesting because, yes, the Bills have you know used kind of a rotation over the last few years, but what you're seeing out of James Cook, and if, if we're looking at this through a fantasy lens here, Nate, um, the last time the Buffalo Bills really had a RB1 on this team, I would say was McCoy. I mean, are we at that yep. point with James Cook? Is he an RB1? I think so. Um, and I think what we'll be telling is how many red zone touches um, Cook sees. And I think a lot of people view the red zone area as an area where a power back or the type of the type of back needs to be a power back in the backfield. And, you know, maybe for some of those short yard situations, that's true. But I think as valuable as being able to line up, turn around and hand the ball up to a 6'3", 230-yard running back to push forward a yard when you have condensed 11 players in between two tight ends, like teams do when you get in those goal line situations, do you know what might be more valuable? Handing off to a running back who can beat linebackers and corners to the edge and to the corner of a pylon, which is what we saw in James Cook's touchdown run. So I think for me, I'm super interested to see what James Cook's usage looks like inside the red zone and inside some of those short yarded situations where I think predominantly people have always viewed that as a power style running back. And if you are going to put power packages in terms of defenses and extra defensive linemen and slower players, slower footed people on the field, well, that feels like advantage Bills, advantage James Cook. So um, I think they can dictate some looks that way in short yard situations with him on the field. You can obviously still utilize Josh Allen as a running back or a runner in those short yarded situations. Um, so I think they're just building a lot of different looks at the running back position. But I think to broadly answer your question, I, I think James Cook is in line for a big big season two. I think he looks bigger. He looks better prepared. 
I think a lot of the questions about him and whether or not he could be a blocker, a pass blocker, have been answered. And I'm going to go back to the word I used a little while ago. Trust. I think Sean McDermott trusts him. I think Ken Dorsey trusts him. But I think most importantly, Josh Allen trusts him. Um, and when you have that trust as a young player, you will play. Um, and, and I expect him to have a very, very big role. And yes, I, I think that includes him being kind of the de facto RB1. Nate, on the defensive side of the ball, we saw a lot of Dorian Williams. In fact, he jumped off the field to me. I mean, six solo tackles, leading all tacklers in the game with seven total stops. And we saw Tyrell Dotson in the middle of the field. Not like we're going to see anybody else. You have Bernard with the hamstring injury. And then A.J. Klein taking reps over uh, Balen Spector. With Williams playing the way he's playing, is this a development thing? Do you think that they're going to continue to kind of develop him along to eventually be that, that backup to Matt Milano and add a little bit of depth? Or do you see a bigger path or a bigger role for Dorian Williams here as soon as this season? It really is hard to predict how his role will evolve, but I think if he keeps making plays, um, his game really reminds me of someone that when the pads go on and the jersey goes on, he plays at a little bit of a different intensity level than he does in practice, uh, sort of against his own teammates, and I think that was on display um, during that game, and I I just love the way that he plays. He fires downhill, he's He's fast. He's athletic. He does not have the same length as Tremaine Edmonds, but I think he's got some serious juice in terms of athleticism and, and, and jump um, and his ability to read, to, to sort of read the flow of a play and be in the right position. I think he, that was on display most of that game against the Colts. But to, I guess to answer your question, I'm not convinced he's going to really get a, a look here at the Mike linebacker position. But listen, we saw the same thing with Matt Milano. Um, when Milano was drafted, right? He was a guy that was a late round draft pick who looked and flashed during the preseason and during um, and during the, the, the during training camp and preseason. But if you remember, it was Ramon Humber, the <laughs> veteran that started that season. But it was only a few games into that season that Ramon Humber remained that starter until Matt Milano moved into that position from a full time perspective and has never looked back since. And is one of the league's most you know premier linebackers. So. Um, it's very possible you might see Tyrell Dotson start this season, but I think if he continues to show things that he is one of the best 11, I think it's going to be hard for the Bills to ignore him potentially getting some looks at middle linebacker before the preseason's over. And I think they'd be doing themselves a disservice by not giving him an opportunity to play a linebacker or Mike. But I think a lot of this is going to come down to guys try to shelter and insulate the young player a little bit. I think asking him to go out there and be the primary Mike linebacker and make calls and make checks, get other guys in position and still expect him to play, you know, fast and free, um, I think is a, is a big ask for a guy that, you know, I, I think that they like to be in a depth role, um, but he may force their hand. And, and I would love to see him get some reps this week um, at the Mike linebacker position just to see what it looks like and, and to see if he can handle it. They were talking to Nate Geary, Buffalo Bills Radio Network, with the nice Ramon Umber pull there. That was a name we had right. all forgotten about. Um, Nate, while we're talking to you, we've like most radio studios are going to monitor on when the, you know, the NFL show on ESPN is on and they're the showing the highlights of DeMar Hamlin. And I feel like almost like we have to talk about this because I don't want to take it for granted what, what kind of happened here in this, this human interest story. And at least kind of coming into camp, I was like, well, yeah, the reports in the spring are positive, but I really want to kind of see it. Well, th- there's no more question. He's on this team, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's a primary special teams contributor, which I think we knew that going into the season anyways, that, that if he had that sort of bank on it role, it was going to be because he is a top notch special teamer. But I think what he continues to prove is that he is an NFL safety. Um, He may not have the best coverage skills and, 
and, and kind of be a guy that can cover the deep half of the field? I think he can, but I think where his real um, value is, is as like a secondary box defender. And I think Taylor Rapp brings a similar, um, you know, I think intrigue to their, to their roster. I think that they have one of the most interesting groups of defensive backs in terms of versatility in the league. I think it's going to force Sean McDermott to play some more three safety looks. I do think that Rapp probably is, is probably in that position just ahead of DeMar Hamlin, but I do think Hamlin's your fourth safety. I think if, you know, for whatever reason, if Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer go down for an extended stretch, um, that you feel really confident when DeMar Hamlin's on the field, that you're not losing a huge step um, like you did with maybe Jaquan Johnson last year or, or Dean Marlowe at times. So, I, I'm really excited and I'm happy for tomorrow. I, I think he's put himself in a position to be successful. Um, and, and I think he'll be a primary special teams contributor going forward this year and, and, and a key depth piece for this roster. And maybe I didn't go into the preseason thinking that would be it. I, I sort of wondered is this going to be one of those tough things where he's such a great story, but he doesn't ultimately end up making the team. Um, I, I think he's a lot for the roster right now. Nate, when we look ahead to Saturday night in Pittsburgh, we heard Sean McDermott say last week that starters will see some time during the preseason. Will it be in week two against the Steelers? Do you think we see Josh Diggs at least for a series? I think so. Um, and, and maybe even two series. We've, we've seen them do that in the past. Um, I, I do think that they want to utilize the preseason to get the offense uh, in some, and maybe an even like a two minute type situation. Um, and I'm frankly, as much as, you know, I think maybe I'd like to see the Josh and Diggs thing. I, I'm really excited to see what Kincaid and Allen um, have sort of developed chemistry wise during training camp and how that translates um, to a game situation. But, you know, I, I think ultimately it will be a short lived, um, you know, appearance. And, and I, I typically those teams, if they're going to play starters, they're not going to do that, um, you know, in the, in the final preseason game, that's sort of, that final preseason game is the best opportunity for those fringe roster players to make their final impression on the coaching staff um, to try to make a, a, a roster spot at the, at the bottom of that roster. Um, so I suspect if they're going to play at all, it will be this week uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, um, you know, I think fans will have something to, to tune into, at least for the, for, for the beginning part of the game. If, uh, you know, you, you still uh, kind of watch the preseason to, say, to, to see some starters play. All right, as we're talking to Nate, we have some uh, breaking news here. Ow! Ow! It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. You know, some shows have a breaking news sounder that sounds very newsy. That's our breaking news sounder, Nate. Um, get yours and Danger's reaction to this. This according to the Ian Rappaport that you know, former Dallas Cowboys running back Zeke Elliott has a new home. One year, $6 million going to the New England Patriots. $6 million? Worth up to $6 million is the way okay, it's phrased. Okay, okay. Okay, yeah, I would guess it's much lower than that, and it's going to be heavy incentive based. Um, yeah, I, sure. I mean, yeah, I, I guess they don't really have pieces behind Ramondre Stevenson. I think Stevenson is still the bell cow in that offense. He's the kind of guy that you don't want off the field. So I don't know where Zeke really plays into it, but I think it's very obvious. Pierre Strong is not the NFL player that I think they thought they, that they were getting when they drafted him. They've got some pieces behind them, but I, I think they really lacked a depth running back. Um, and, you know, I think this maybe solves a, a, a concern of theirs, but I, I don't want to tell you that I, I fear that offense anymore with Zeke Elliott, especially the version we saw the last couple well, of Well, and, and Nate, doesn't it just once again kind of point to what direction this offense is going to lean? It's not going to be on the arm of Mac Jones or Bailey no. Zappi. It's going to be a run-first offense, a physical offense, no doubt, but it, a typical Belichick, hard-nosed, run-first kind of offensive scheme. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, 
listen, I, you know, this is going to be an offense to your point that it is definitely not going to be relying on airing the ball out. Um, but they've got a, I think an improved offensive line. Um, they've made, you know, they, they, they draft Cole strange last year. And I think from all reviews coming out of training camp that he's looked like he's kind of ready to take the step in year two. Um, and, and I think that, yeah, they're, they're going to want to re- rely on a power run game with play action off of it. They, they go out, they sign Mike Gusecki. So they're, they're looking to use more 12 personnel and two tight end, uh, like a much like the bills are. And, and I think ultimately they're still, I mean, the Zeke Elliott move does nothing to make me think otherwise that they're the fourth team in this division. They're the fourth fiddle. Um, and this move and, you know, short of maybe getting DeAndre Hopkins, maybe that moves the needle a little bit. But Zeke Elliott at this point, from what we've seen, does not move the needle much for me based on anywhere where he goes, whether it's New England or, or elsewhere. He just does not really have the juice that he did. And I think injuries really caught up to him. And he'll be a depth piece. Uh, but for you fantasy players who have been stashing Zeke Elliott, at least you know he's going to play on an NFL roster this year. Nate, uh, the network, what time? I'm, I'm guessing it's 4 o'clock. We'll pick you up this coming Saturday here. So. Yeah, so I will uh, actually be out. I'm, uh, I've got a bachelor, I've two straight bachelor party weekends, uh, which is really just it's taken a lot out of me, guys. Wow. I'm not going to lie to you. I, uh, so I, I won't be on the broadcast this week, but I'll be back for the final week of the preseason and obviously um, for week one and beyond. But, um, yeah, I'll do what I did this week, which is uh, go to a bar somewhere and uh, drink some IPAs and watch the game. So that's, that's the plan for this weekend as well. Nate? I mean, the years haven't caught up to you. Enjoy the time while you can, my friend. I'm going to live vicariously <laughs> through you and feel a little bit jealous that you get to, to run through not one but two bachelor parties in one weekend. Uh, trust me, guys. As much as I appreciate the jealousy, uh, I'm not sure how much I'm going to be able to handle it. I'm pretty – the first one got me, and usually you want to sort of save some of the juice for the second one, yeah. uh, but I, I did no such thing. So let's, let's hope I can make it through. All right, Nate, we'll, we'll catch up in a few weeks. Really, Have a fun time, and uh, thanks for your time today. Thanks, fellas. You got it, Nate Gary. Buffalo Bills Radio Network, our Odyssey Sports sister station, WGR in Buffalo, sharing some of his thoughts from week one of the preseason, looking ahead to Saturday night as the Bills will be in Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers for week two. I already see it. The Patriots, like, they're going to throw it back to 1985 and run the football and tackle This and is run. the genius of Bill Belichick. He zigs while everybody zags. The whole league has got to become a passing league, and now he's going to throw it back, okay. and they're going to be a run-first team. Is Mac Jones any good at play action? Does he have receivers that can... No. Well, I guess to be afraid of play action, you actually have to be afraid of the run to begin with. I don't know if that changes anything. Well, to Nate's point, the offensive line is better. And they're going to play, if they've always played a physical, physical brand. I mean, like, the, you know, let's not forget that this Patriots team just a, a couple of short seasons ago had their way with Buffalo Bills, the Buffalo Bills defense on a windy night in Orchard Park where you couldn't come up with anything to stop that run game. And maybe Zeke is a part of that. It won't happen every single week, but um, a little piece there for the uh, New England backfield. So Ramondre Stevenson has a running make now, and Zeke Elliott as it's a one-year deal up to $6 million with the New England Patriots. Uh, We have some more news and notes to get to from around the NFL. We'll sprinkle in some appetizers, a little NFL whip around coming up here as part of happy hour, a round of shots on the way as well. And you can join us anytime at 866-4FAN, 585-866-4326. You're in the sports bar with Danger and Battaglia on the Fan Rochester. Odyssey has sports for every fan. Keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the inside scoop from experts. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 